Hi, I'm David Finnegan. I'm a writer, theatre artist and game designer who works with research scientists. This is a monthly audio series about how art and storytelling meets the world of complex systems, earth science and planetary transformation. As an artist who works with scientists, I see a lot of similarities between the two cultures of science and art. Both scientists and artists use a process of experimentation to make their work. Both disciplines combine creativity and rigour, and both use models to make sense of the world. A scientific model is a simplified representation of a real-world system. A model, whether it's a software simulation or a pen and paper diagram, will include some parts of a system while leaving out others. Climate and economic models represent some parts of the atmospheric and financial systems, but they leave out other parts to make the model workable. A work of art can also be a model. A book, a theatre show, a film, these are also representations of the real world. Like scientific models, they focus on certain elements of the real world to help us understand those elements, and they leave out those elements that are not relevant. Now, in my practice, both solo and as a member of Kony and Boho, I design games. These games tend to involve groups of players navigating fictional scenarios, either in person or online. In Boho's Best Festival Ever, for example, a group of players around a table are in charge of programming and managing their own music festival from start to finish. In Boho, we think of games as models. Our games are interactive representations of systems, just like the climate and economic models used by scientists. Now, for both scientists and artists who create models, it's really critical to fit the right model to the right system. Now, a model that's too simple will miss out crucial parts of the system that it's describing, but a model that's too complex will confuse you rather than illuminate you. Fitting the model to the system is a critical art. Now, over the last two months, I've been working on two very different systems and been faced with very different challenges of finding the right game to model them. In the first instance, I was invited by a group of financial institutions to create a game for an online meeting of banks, climate NGOs, and regulators. My brief was to design a game that illustrated the challenges for banks to transition to net zero. Now, in the lead up to COP26 in Glasgow, banks are under pressure to make announcements about their net zero plans. The tricky thing is that net zero is an ambiguous term with no fixed meaning. Every bank has to decide for itself what their commitment will be and how they'll go about meeting it. Now, of course, there's an impulse for each bank to protect their profits by doing the minimum that they can get away with. But even for those who want to do the right thing, it's not clear what that entails. JP Morgan recently announced that their lending will be Paris aligned from here forward. And now the investors at JP Morgan are trying to figure out what that actually means in practice. Obviously, it means limiting financing for coal mines and oil wells and gas fields. But can they still make loans to concrete factories or airlines or battery farms? So construction, transport and agriculture are all high emissions sectors, but we do still need buildings and travel and food. 
So where do you draw the line? Within banks, sustainability advocates are clashing with those who think that the biggest risk is transitioning too quickly. And shareholders still tend to punish banks for moving earlier than their peers. So these are some of the factors at play within the financial system. And my task was to turn this into an hour-long game for 50 participants played over Zoom. The first thing I did was to sketch out the possible net zero actions available to banks and the likely rewards and punishments they would receive for those actions. There's a lot of nuance here, but one simple way to describe the system is this. It's easier and more profitable for banks to behave unsustainably, but if every bank does this, all banks are worse off. This is a familiar dynamic from the world of game theory. It's known as a prisoner's dilemma. This appears in countless domains, biology, politics, ecology, economics. Basically, wherever there's a reason to cooperate, but a temptation to be selfish, you can frame the situation as a prisoner's dilemma. So, the game that I created involved a number of teams, each playing as a different bank over the course of the 2020s. Each team makes a series of choices about their bank's sustainability commitments across their business and lending portfolios. Along the way, they negotiate with shareholders, with climate NGOs, public pressure campaigns, and policymakers introducing new regulation. There's a very simple scoring system which tracks each bank's profits and the impact to the biosphere. Underlying all these choices is the prisoner's dilemma mechanism. Very simple trade-off between short-term and long-term priorities. This played out in fascinating ways with different groups of players. In one session, the most financially successful bank was eventually beset by internal strife and reputational damage over its lack of climate action, while a group of the most impoverished banks formed a consortium to lobby politicians for favourable regulation, turning the tide in their favour. The intention of this game was not to accurately depict the financial system. Not even the most sophisticated economic models can do that. But to capture a few key dynamics of the system in an evocative way. While the players of this game were experts in their fields of investment banking and financial trading, the game provided a structure where their decisions and interactions created a rich and meaningful story. They then spent the next part of the workshop discussing that story and what it illustrates about how the ways the market might respond to different strategies. The simulation was a tangible demonstration of how precarious our chances are of hitting the Paris targets. It took only a small number of institutions behaving selfishly to derail the efforts of the whole community. At the same time, the game offered vivid proof of the power of players to change the system by working collaboratively and thinking creatively. The other project I've been working on focused on a very different kind of system, and it required a very different kind of game. The Lowitcher Institute is Australia's National Institute for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Health Research. Boho was commissioned by the Lowitcher Institute to make a suite of games about the process of doing health research in Indigenous communities. These games will be played by early career researchers who are interested in doing Indigenous health research, and they'll introduce them to some of the challenges and possibilities in this space. 
So Loitcher have produced several guides to planning culturally acceptable research in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. And our brief was to create games to illustrate some of the core principles from these guides. These principles include the idea that research in Indigenous communities should be led by relationships. Research projects should provide a benefit to the community. Uh, a project requires the ongoing consent of the research participants. Now, if any of these conditions aren't met, the research project should not go ahead. Now, this was an interesting dynamic to build a game around. So in this setting, unlike with the financial system, there's no competition between groups. Health researchers and indigenous communities aren't competing with each other. And nor are there any obvious trade-offs between short-term benefits and long-term priorities. If a research project doesn't fulfill all of the requirements, it simply shouldn't happen. So there's, there's definitely no place in this context for a system of point scoring. So instead, we turn to the format of storytelling games. This is a form of game that focuses less on rules and scoring and more on collaborative storytelling. Emerging from the world of role-playing, these games are a way for a group of players to collaboratively explore or create a narrative. Led by Nathan Harrison, Boho created several games in this style. In one, players took on the role of researchers traveling to an indigenous community to investigate a failed project. So a university has set up a healthy eating choices program in this community to provide young families with training and ingredients to make better meals. Unfortunately, no one is attending any of the workshops and the university's emails are going unanswered. Through conversations and encounters with community members, players must uncover what went wrong with this project and why. In another game, a set of prompts guides players to collectively tell and map the story of an imagined research project from beginning to end. The players imagine various project crises, mismanaged budgets, cultural fumbles, losing key local contacts, and how these challenges were resolved. So the value of this kind of game is in its openness, its fluidity, and the space that it creates for different players to share their voice. Winning in games like this is about creating a rich narrative and achieving a feeling of collective creativity. Now, although the games for these two projects are very different, they both serve the same purpose, to generate rich conversations about the systems they're describing and to help us change these systems. By allowing participants to experiment, to make mistakes and see the outcome of their choices, these games can help participants see the real cost of banks taking action towards net zero or the risk of planning health research projects without community involvement. And when we understand the systems that we're a part of, we're better equipped to change them. The same is true for scientific models. Our climate models and economic forecasts are not intended to be precise and accurate descriptions of the world. They are tools to help us think, to help us understand, and above all, to help us act. This, for me, is the other key similarity between the arts and the sciences. They're both about action. Every artwork and scientific model is, in its own way, an attempt to reframe our understanding of the world, to change our behavior, and to nudge us to act. 
We set out to understand the world in order that we can change it little by little.